Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, good morning. Don't at me, Dan Dockich. We are here and we are rolling. We are on one today. What a weekend in the Final Four. My God, to get to the Final Four. Anyway, what a fantastic weekend. I am going to miss this tournament. My God, has it been great. Let's open with... The slap last night. Was this real? Now, I got to ask you, Chris Rock shows up, and he's the MC, And all of a sudden, he starts talking about Jada Pinkett Smith. Will Smith doesn't like it, and you see, boom, the open hand. Get the out of here. And then if you listen to the unedited version, virgin, not virgin, virgin, which frankly is, uh, you know, uh, pretty interesting because Will Smith in that version is hostile. Keep your effing wa- my effing wife's name out of your mouth. And he drops it on him twice. And I think it was Dylan or maybe it was Ryan that said, you know, he had kind of the shakes. Now, I got to ask you, I don't care about this even a little bit. I don't care what you do. But where's, aren't we arresting people for this? Isn't this like, wait a second here, keep your hands off another man. So all you comedians out there, you can be funny and you, the woke folk are mad about comedians' words, but we're not mad about a slap. I'm not mad about any of it. Hey, you can make fun of me. You can call me whatever. I'm used to it. When you have a name like Dockage, you take out the A, put an I in there and guess what it is. Or take out the D, put a J in there and guess what it is. That's right. But the truth of the matter is the world, the woke world. And the second thing is, was that real? Like, was that real? Or was that staged? Let's be honest. People have had enough of Hollywood. Will Smith's been in all the news. His wife's stooping. He's stooping. Everybody's stooping. You know, that kind of thing. There's a lot of things here. But was that real? It looked real to me. The aftermath looked real. It's kind of funny. You had to go to Australian TV to get the actual unedited version. I guess that was real. I hope that was real. I hope more guys. See, how do I put this? America needs a slap in the face. America needs a punch in the mouth. Like we need a resetting and only a good punch in the effing mouth can get it done for you. Go on Twitter. Look at all the little idiots that are so brave. Go anywhere. They're so brave. Hell, I walk into a game. I got a whole crowd yelling, we hate Dockets. And I looked over. And as soon as I caught eyesight with one, the kid shrunk. He needed a punch in the mouth. America needs a punch in the mouth. America needs slapped in the face. Wake the hell up. Just because you don't like what's happening with Leah Thomas doesn't mean you're anti-transgender. Just because you have a discussion on Ukraine doesn't mean you stand with Putin. My God. Somebody, just because you don't like Donald Trump's words doesn't mean he didn't have this country rolling. America needs a punch in the frickin' mouth. 
And if Will Smith ain't going to get arrested, guess what? I don't think I should get arrested next time some TikToker or some freaking Twitter boy comes up and says something sh- crappy to me, and I, boom, I give him a quick left jab. By the way, I'm left-handed. America needs a punch in the mouth. America needs a slap in the face. Wake the hell up. The little guys that are sitting down there in the dam, in their little basements talking trash to everybody, little blogger boys that don't have to have any kind of oversight, just write crap on people because they don't like them. They need punched in the face. America, you need a good old-fashioned punch right in the puss. That's right. And if Will Smith can do it on national TV, then by God, I ought to be able to do it to one of you clowns when you come up to me and say the horrific things that you say to me. Boom! And they walk away. The reason I pause is you always give the guy you punched opportunity to get up. You want to get up? You want a little more of this? <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. Chris rocked. Now, people are saying, well, it didn't look good for Chris Rock, so why would he be a part of staging it? I don't know. But I do know this. The woke crowd will defend everybody. I guess Will Smith's the bad guy in this. Who cares? Who are you a bad guy to? Think about that. I got people on my ass every day. I got little blogger boys every day. Hey, good for me. Who are you a bad guy to? Can you look yourself in the mirror? I guarantee you Will Smith can look himself in the mirror today. Chris Rock, interesting. Uh, Headlines, baby. I love it. Chris Rock. Uh, Headlines, baby. Here we go. You ready? Let's do it. Uh, First and foremost, the final four is set. I can't wait to talk to Jim Boeheim today. I can't wait to talk to Frank Martin today. Frank Martin took South Carolina to the final four a few years ago. Uh, Now he's the head coach at UMass, and Frank Martin is the kind of guy that should be around players. He absolutely should be. Jim Beheim should be as well. Beheim at 9.30, his buddy Coach K. All of a sudden, and I'm going to ask him this, Coach K in a zone? Guess whose zone that was? Jim Beheim's. It worked out well. Anyway, the final four is set, and I could not be more excited. Uh, Mark Packer, who hosts a show on Channel 84 on Sirius XM Radio every day from 4 to 7, uh, he came on my Sirius XM show, and he deemed himself to be a college basketball snob. And I agree. Like, we've got true blue bloods in this Final Four, and I'm very excited about it. We've got Kansas. We've got Villanova. But the headliner is Duke in North Carolina. How about that? How about that for a fairy tale ending for K? Now, let's examine. Let's examine. And I'm going to go over each of these teams uh, in a little bit here. But let's examine a couple of things. Let's examine the, the storybook ending, what could happen. In the Final Four, K beats his nemesis, his arch rival, North Carolina. And then he takes out either one of two teams. One, the guy that looks to be the next K, Jay Wright, or the team that is the winningest team in the history of the NCAA tournament, the Kansas Jayhawks. Now, let's be honest, you can't write a script like this. And the truth of the matter is, that script has already been written because I saw where Carlos Boozer said, hey, there's a documentary that started the day K announced his retirement. I think this is awesome. 
I love these four teams in the Final Four. Now, a lot of you are saying, well, every, all four of them cheat. Yeah, I don't know. I don't even know what cheating is anymore. I have no idea. So if they cheat, they cheat. Whatever. But I'm looking forward to this Final Four, and I've enjoyed this tournament maybe more so than ever. I really have. And I got to tell you, every game other than the St. Peter's-North Carolina game has been dramatic. That was a terrible matchup for St. Peter's. And I'll tell you why. Good for St. Peter's. Matchup against Purdue, not great because of the size, but as Charles Barkley sent me a text during the game, and it was really funny, he's like, what is Purdue doing? Do they think they have Kareem and Wilt down low that they keep throwing him the ball? And he wasn't wrong. Charles wasn't wrong. He wasn't wrong at all. Anyway, the final four is set. I'm going to get into a review and preview of all four teams uh, in a couple of minutes. Deshaun Watson says he's innocent. Okay. I mean, look, 22 women, you're innocent. Why is Deshaun Watson able to dictate terms? And where are women's groups in this? You know, I'm interested. When I had a thing a year ago where I simply said and didn't even mention the person's name that I would not go at it in a pool with a woman that wasn't my wife, women's groups all over the place came out. Oh, my God, I was rapey, if you can imagine. By saying no, I was rapey, right? All of the women that you know on Twitter that are very vocal when something like this happens came out. And I mean, they came out. Well, I get it, 58 at that time, you're a white guy. I'm an easy target. Where are all these women's groups on Deshaun Watson? 22 women, 22, say he did. I said I wouldn't. Let me say that again. I said no. uh, A crazy-ass professor wanted to, quote, go at it in a pool. I said, I'm not going at it in a pool. I'm a married man. That sparked a fury. Dan Wolken at USA Today. Oh, my God. What are we doing? Dockage is a bully. He's horrible. Because I said no. Where are these same people? I'll tell you. Scared to death. Because if you say a damn word, you're an ist. You're a racist. Okay. I think some of the 22 women were African-American. Innocent until proven guilty. You're right. You're right. But 22 women and not one woman's group has said a word. Not one woman's group in Cleveland has come forward. Interesting stuff to me anyway. I may be dead wrong, but it's interesting as hell to me that not one, not one, I've not seen. Maybe I missed it. And if I did, please feel free. That's amazing. So this guy is going to, and you know that, you know, the league feels the same way. You know, the league's nervous as hell because they don't know what to do and they don't want to be called an ist because apparently being called an ist is the worst thing in the world. That's interesting. Uh, The mask mandate looks like Kyrie Irving can play. Good for Kyrie Irving. Good for the NBA. Not so good for the Miami Heat. Why? Because it looks like the Heat, the one seed, are going to play the eight seed. And I know this, whether you like Kyrie Irving or you don't like Kyrie Irving, when you get in the playoffs, Kyrie Irving is 
balling. I watched him for the Celtics come into Indianapolis and just single-handedly destroy a Pacer team. Now, he's going to destroy your own team too, don't get me wrong. But for a 1-8 type matchup, I guarantee you, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant are going to be healthy and balling. That ain't great. In fact, I know for a fact the Philadelphia 76ers aren't trying to get to one seed. I know for a fact that the Miami Heat are a little bit leery. How about the fight that they had on the bench where Udonis Haslam had to go all bouncer at the bar to protect his coach? Got a little bit of a mess, but it's interesting basketball. I'll be watching. I eat. Look, if the Heat play the, play the Nets, you're damn right I'm watching. That's going to be some... Players in the league ought to be damn fresh. I mean, really fresh. See, I can't watch the NBA on a nightly basis, not because of any reason other than I get bored watching basketball. Like, I'd rather watch reruns of Curb Your Enthusiasm, and that's nothing against the NBA. It's the same thing with college. I don't sit there on a Wednesday night normally and watch Villanova St. John's. I'd rather watch Larry David and see what he's up to. Oh, by the way, I'm also into winning time, the thing on the Lakers. It's so ridiculous, it's awesome. It is. Winning time is great. HBO, check it out. I don't know why I love it. I just do. Who said that? Mariah Carey? I don't know. All right. Let's get into the final four. Let's talk about each team. We're going to do this with Coach Bayheim coming up and Coach Martin as well. First, the Duke Blue Devils. I got to tell you, full disclosure, I said this on my radio show. I had no idea one guy's name on Duke's team before this season. Not one. Zero. I said it. Look, I'm not doing college basketball games, so I didn't study college basketball teams. I personally didn't care who was on Duke's team. Didn't matter to me who was on North Carolina's team. Had no interest in any of it. But I got to tell you, I do now. Bancaro, Banchero, I always say his name wrong. Roach, Griffin, these dudes are some bad boys. These dudes have come together. And if I got a first pick in the draft, it is no doubt I'm taking Bancaro, Banchero. I don't care. That dude is six foot ten. He can dribble it, he can handle it. I asked my son, why do I think this guy's so good? He looked at me, he goes, Dad, because he's a six ten guard that runs like a guard. Whoo! I'm not going to lie to you. I ain't mad about that guy. And then when he needs to make shots, oh, he'll step to the top of the key and drill a three. Whoo! How good's Roach been? This is a good basketball team. They make shots when they need to. They defend just enough. They play in any way you want. We can go isolate on the block if you'd like. We can run the floor, get it ahead, unafraid. I mean, totally unabashed. I mean, they don't care, man. They'll shoot them in. It does not matter. And this team has come together, I think, as well as any any Duke team ever. I really do. And I know a lot of you are going to say, come on, Dan. You didn't like them. I didn't know them. I know them now. And I got to tell you, what I know about them, what I see about them, I like. Hey, look, are they the greatest defensive team ever? But no. They're 32 and 6. Now, I want you to think about that. 32 and 6. Uh, Duke fans, you owe me an apology. Come on. And I'm going to put this out on Twitter today. 
A few years ago, I did games in the garden. Uh, Georgetown was there, Duke. I can't remember. I think Duke played Georgetown. I don't know. <clears throat> I did two of the games, and I was talking about Wendell Moore. And I told you Wendell Moore Jr. was going to be a star. He reminds me of Chris Carrawell. Wendell Moore Jr. is a leader, man. Wendell Moore Jr. is a catalyst. Yes, I know that Roach. Yes, I know that Griffin. Yes, I know Mark Williams should be a top 10 draft pick. But I got to tell you, Wendell Moore Jr., that's a bad boy. That dude puts it all together. He's Chris Carrawell. Duke fans, you crushed me. You crushed your own. But I'll take apologies. I will. I'll take them. I'm used to it. I'm used to saying things. You all lose your mind, say Dockage is an idiot, and next thing you know, you're like, oh, man, Dockage is right. Wendell Moore Jr., A.J. Griffin, terrific. Now, let me go one second on Mark Williams. Mark Williams is a top 10 draft pick. Now, I don't know if Mark Williams is going to be any good in the NBA or not. I don't know. He can't shoot it. He's not. But I'll tell you what he can do. He can block it. I'll tell you what he can do. He can catch it. I'll tell you what he can do. He can run it. Mark Williams knows who the hell Mark Williams is. And I'm all in on Mark Williams. Love him. I thought he was the MVP of the game the other day. Everybody else doing their thing offensively. I thought Mark Williams defensively was the most valuable player for Duke to get to the Final Four. Don't at me, people. North Carolina. UNC. Man, I'm sitting here at Indiana. And we got... Indiana fans and blogger boys talking about TikTok videos, talking about how Brady Manick has a TikTok video and I criticize Indiana. Let me explain something to you. You can have TikTok, Twitter, Snapchat, Facebook, Bumble, uh, uh, Christian Singles, Big Daddy Mingles, I don't give a damn what you do. Tinder, I don't care what you do if you play like Brady Manic. Now, Brady Manic's dropped 28, 28, whatever. Our TikTok guy went over at Indiana. Brady Manic decided, I'm wearing a Carolina jersey. Dawson Garcia, who was a McDonald's All-American, think of what's happened here at North Carolina. Dawson Garcia out in the middle of the year. So they bring Brady Manick in. All he does is basically lead them in many ways to the Final Four. 29 in the game, 26 in the game, 19 in the game. I mean, he absolutely kicked the living hell out of basically the four teams they've played. That's a, you can TikTok, you can do whatever the hell you want in my world. But if you go over, how about you get in the gym if you're an Indiana player? That's a personal thing. But anyway, let's talk another personal thing. First year in the program, people say, well, you know, Hubert Davis was left all kind of talent. Okay. Well, let's think about that talent. First, an All-American, Garrison Brooks, decides he's not coming back. Garrison Brooks ended up going to Mississippi State. Think about this for a second. Walker Kessler, who was a first-team All-American, said, no, I'm going to Auburn. Then he became a first-team All-American. Now, Kessler wasn't a first-team All-American at uh, UNC. So those two guys leave. Think about this for a second. When your team, in my case, Indiana, when the fans are making an excuse, you got a first-year coach, Hubert Davis, taking over for a legend. You lose Dawson Garcia 
to health problems, uh, mental health problems, whatever it was in the middle of the year. You get this kid, Brady Manick, who did not play very well at the beginning of the year. Next thing you know, you roll everyone. Now, they got a little lucky, let's be honest, playing St. Peter's and not Kentucky or Purdue. That's a little different. Don't get me wrong, but you play who's in front of you, right? And all of a sudden, because of coaching, because of workouts, because of improvement, because of confidence, this first-year coach losing all these guys from a mediocre team last year goes to the Final Four. A, Indiana. We'll always have TikTok. <laughs> Jeez. You got to be a damn blue blood. You're a blue blood or you're not. And North Carolina and Duke are blue bloods. Period. Don't at me. Indiana, we got a guy making TikToks that didn't score a point and was a starter. Good for Indiana. Yay, Ra. Go fight win. Uh, Let's talk about Villanova. Justin Moore. Justin Moore is out. You know who Justin Moore is? Justin Moore averaged 15, torn Achilles in their game against uh, Houston. Now, I I hate this. I hate this for kids. I've talked about this. I talked about the big kid from Creighton. I hate when kids get these things. I hate you work so hard. You're such an integral part of a team. You are making yourself uh, the dream of a lifetime to get to the Final Four, man. And you saw how much he meant Justin Moore to the team by their reaction, right? Oh, I hate that for kids. I don't dislike it. I hate it because I know how hard you work. So Justin Moore, uh, yeah. Remember last year Gillespie was out for the year with a knee? Man. All right. So let's talk about Villanova. You know, I got a kick out of everybody before the game talking about Calvin Sampson and how well he coached and how tough he was and how tough his team was and how Villanova and others would wilt. No, bad matchup for Houston. Because, frankly, um, Villanova matched them toughness for toughness, had better shot making, had a better offensive game plan, and, frankly... When you can't make a three, and that's exactly what Houston couldn't do, you can't win. Now, Houston really well coached. Houston really tough, all that. Don't get me wrong. But the matchup against a culture like Villanova, well, they'll match you tough for tough. You want to go shot for shot? We'll match you shot for shot. Whatever you want to do. It's like that guy at the bar. You want to play pinball? Kick your ass. You want to play pop a shot? I'll kick your ass. You want to go shot for shot? Let's go. Beer for beer? Let's go. I got a bunch of those buddies. And I try to tell people, don't mess with them. Well, that's exactly who Villanova is. And Villanova matched everything. Villanova, hey, Colin Gillespie, Colin Gillespie did not play great, but boy, oh boy, did he hit a big shot when he needed to. And people were on Colin Gillespie's ass, but you got to understand something. When you're not the greatest athlete in the world and you're a two-time Big East player of the year and you've got another team in Houston that is fierce defensively, they're going to get in your ass and they're going to make it personal. They're going to make it personal. And that's what they did. And guess what? Gillespie struggled. But guess what else? Gillespie led his team and guess what else? When it came time, he hit a big shot. Don't be too hard on Colin Gillespie, man. (laughs) Give a little credit to Houston. They were up and into him 
tough, really tough. Now they move on, and that's it. They move on. It's what they do. All right, the last team, the Kansas Jayhawks. Kansas a little bit like what I'm talking about with Villanova. Kansas against Miami, man, Kansas is that team that goes, what do you want to do? You want to throw it inside? All right. Want to shoot it in? Abaji, let's go. It's what they do. Here's the deal. I said this on a video, and I bet it. I bet David McCormick over nine and a half points. Why? Because I figured, number one, well, Bill Self's always been an inside-oriented guy. And number two, if you're going to beat Miami, you had to go inside to beat him. I mean, it just did. And three, Bill Self's a really smart guy, and he'll figure that out. So I'm screaming yesterday on social media, throw the ball inside. First half, first play, they got it into McCormick, turn around, boom. And then they started dribbling. And Bill Self said it. I love coaches' timeouts. If you pay attention, they'll tell you something if you know what you're looking for. He said, yeah, all of a sudden we just started dribbling and shooting. No pass, one pass. He wasn't wrong. Next thing you know, down six. Start the second half. Bill Self takes over. Boom, boom, boom. We're going inside. Uh, McCormick has 12 by the first TV timeout. My toes are tapping, but so is Kansas. And then Kansas got in that booty. Got stifling. Next thing you know, boom, jacking up threes, Miami, and the coach, Larinaga, playing for your grandpa is done. Done. D-U-N, done. And at the end of the day, there you go. That's what happens. When you get blue blood programs, when you get programs that are just special, you put the jersey on, you're supposed to win, you get games like yesterday where there's no way North Carolina is going to lose. Duke's going to win. You know Kansas is making a comeback in the second half. And Villanova, against a really good team, not only survives, but fights its way through, literally. And I loved every minute of it. I did. I thought it was absolutely great. I'm going to miss this tournament. Uh, Not only are we making so much money on it, and this week, tomorrow, we're going to preview the women's tournament because I'm into that, too. Man, I watched South Carolina, holy cow, 80 to 50 over Creighton. I watched freaking Stanford last night. It was a tough-ass game. All Stanford did was make all their free throws down the stretch and pulled away and got a W. It was a good game, really good game over Texas. Ended up winning by nine, which was a cover. Money spends, people. But we got a monster for you today. We do, and all week we're going to be covering the Final Four. Look, we got Bayheim. We got a Hall of Famer in Jim Bayheim. We got a one of the great men in college basketball is Jim Beheim, and also is Frank Martin. If you'd like to email the show, you can go to dan1070thefan.com. Tell your friends. Get on here. Go, do yourself a favor. Get on the YouTube chat, and let's rock and roll. We're going to be here all week previewing it. North Carolina Duke. North Carolina Duke. Now, ESPN will wear you out. And oh, by the way, I know I'm wrong about this. <coughs> Come on. Does every commercial have to be a social justice commercial? Everyone, I guess. 
Yeah, I ain't mad at you. I'm just wondering, does everyone? I don't know. I don't know. Ladies and gentlemen, what have we decided here in the first half hour? America needs a punch in the face. And the shot heard around the world yesterday was freaking, you know, you know, by Chris Rock. Yep. I ain't mad about it either. All right, Jim Beheim. when we come back, I uh, can't wait to talk to the coach, get his take on all four teams, get his take on his friend Mike Krzyzewski. Not only his friendship, but but Mike Krzyzewski using Jim Beheim's zone. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. We're going to take a short break here. We're rolling. I mean rolling right now with Don't At Me. And, of course, you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned right here for more Don't At Me. Oh, man, America's patient. The great Jim Beheim joins us. Double hernia surgery. Double. Twice. Double. Not a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) You you can walk out afterwards, but it's uh, the recovery isn't that great. The tube down your throat, you can't talk, you know, you you can't move around very well. But I don't move around very well anyway, so I guess there's nothing nothing different. Oh, 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 my God. Hey, Coach, I appreciate it. See, you know what? Guys just play hurt. They play hurt. They play tough. Coach Bayheim here getting the tubes out. Julie's there. How great a patient are you? Julie said you're the best patient there is. You're easygoing, uh, and it's just a, a walk She would never park. say that, even if it was true, but it isn't true. I'm not the easiest. <laughs> you know, fortunately, we had a lot of games this weekend, a lot of stuff to watch. Watch the soccer, everything. Watch the Oscars last night. Watch the slap there. That was cool. Uh, yeah, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you think did you think the slap was real? Yeah, was that I real wasn't or was sure, that staged? Really, I I I, I would have been fifty fifty. Kind of looked a little bit real. I I didn't think it was. I mean, it was a joke. It wasn't that bad. I mean. It, I don't know. It was a little overreaction, I think. Will Smith might have been a little, he might have been a little uptight with the award coming down and everything. <laughs> a little sensitive? A little sensitive. <laughs> hey, Coach, let's go straight to yeah. Duke. Now, Duke, Coach K's your guy, but I also saw a little Jim Beheim zone in there, did I not? You no, know, he uses it sometimes uh, and he's got an effective zone because of Williams being in the middle. Um, the wings are big. Um, you know, they're quick. I mean, their main defense is man to man, but they can be very effective when they use the zone and they were. And when you don't expect it, you're not seeing zone for 30 minutes and then you see a zone. It's a very hard adjustment to make. We used to play both and we'd always kind of switch into the zone and, it's hard to make that adjustment when you're not used to it. Uh, most teams can't do it. Um, people just don't like to take the chance. You know, they might have given up seven or eight threes during the game in a man-to-man. They switch the zone, they give up one three, and they want to run. They want to <laughs> run back to Lam. You know, they go home. Like, we, we can't do that when it's only one. You know, um, you have to stick with it a little bit. But it can be effective. 
you know, we played, I worked with Mike, uh, and they're playing great right now. This is, they're the favorite. Uh, I think what helped Duke was the loss to North Carolina and the loss to Virginia Tech in the tournament, uh, in the ACC tournament. I think they, they grew from that. And now I think they're playing dominant basketball. It's why I picked them uh, prior to the end of the season after we played them. I just thought they, they've got the center, they've got the, the point guard now. Roach has played really well. Van um, Carroll's difficult to play against. Great shooter and Griffin. I'm impressed with the final four teams. I'm impressed with Hubert Davis has done. He was almost ready to get early firing down there in North Carolina, the way they were playing at one time. I mean, this team lost at home to Pittsburgh by 25 points and Miami by 25 points. So he's done a remarkable job turning that thing around. I was really impressed with Kansas, though. The best I've ever seen them play in a tournament, I think. They were just, Miami's a good team, playing well. Uh, Miami couldn't get a shot. Not, not just that they missed, they couldn't get a shot. So I, I was really impressed with them. And I still think Villanova's good, but it'll hurt them losing more. Moore's a great player. They play six guys and they'll fight it. They'll fight through it, but it'll be a difficult task. Hey, coach, I want to go back to Duke for a second. How? I'm watching Mark Williams, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm not so sure he wasn't the most valuable player for Duke the other day, both in the man-to-man and zone on the backboard. That dude is pretty good, Coach. What's his impact, He killed think? us both games. I mean, the two games we didn't guard him, we played straight zone. He had 29-24. In the tournament, we put a, we put a, played a triangle, really, and just kept a guy with him and held him down for the first half, and we had the lead. The second half, he kind of got going. But, yeah, he's his defense alone makes him difficult to play against. But he can catch it and score now, too. Yeah, he's a really good player. <clears throat> there aren't many guys like him. Coach, Coach when, no. When, let, let me go back. When, when you – okay, they lose to North Carolina. I'm going to stay with Duke for a minute, and then I'm going to get to other ones. They lose to Carolina. Maybe that gives them focus. But then they back it up. And, and they lose to Virginia Tech, you know, that can go either way, can it, for a young team? I don't know. I think, yeah, no doubt. I just thought I didn't pick them coming out of New York. I, I picked them prior to New York. But uh, I just thought that they got better from those games. And they had tough matchups that made them play in the tournament, but they were teams that they could beat, and they, and they did. They had to play really well at the end of the Michigan State game, but they did. And now they just look like they're there. But it'll be a tough Final Four. It's still a toss-up. Your league, let me go to your league for a second. All I heard was the the Syracuse and and the ACC and Duke and North Carolina. It's all down. Everything's down. Doesn't look down to me, boss. Look pretty yeah, good. This tournament's good. I mean, we lost seven games to teams in the Elite Eight. You know, Duke three times, Miami twice, um, <coughs> Villanova, um, North Carolina. And, you know, we weren't a great team. We, we struggled most of the year. We got started to play better, and then we lost our center. But, you know, the – Pittsburgh's at the end of the bottom of the league. They beat North Carolina by 25 at North Carolina. The league was good. 
um, how you play in the tournament's important to judge your league. It's not the only thing, but let's not dismiss that you get eight, nine teams in the tournament and don't do anything. Let's not dismiss that. I mean, let's face it. You, you get a high net in your non-conference schedule. That's what big, the Big Ten did. They did a great job, non-conference. Now you're only playing quad one games, mostly. So if you play 12 of them, you win four or five, it looks great. You got five quad one wins. You might have seven losses or eight, whatever, but they committee kind of goes a little too much with quad one wins. That doesn't mean you're a, a really good team. You just have beaten some good teams. So it's very difficult to judge. <coughs> I think more emphasis needs to be put on the way you finish the season. I don't, I think the whole season should count, but I think the way you finish like Texas A&M, like Virginia Tech, I think that should count, but it's hard to get the best teams, the best 64, 68 teams. It's not that easy. And <coughs> the main metric is how you do in your quad one games and that can be deceiving and you can play well in the beginning of the year and you you know you might not be playing well at the end of the year and that should figure a little bit it shouldn't be the only thing the last 10 games i never liked it because you might be playing 10 quad one games and you might win two of them you might be a good team but it's it's difficult right now i knew that <clears throat> North Carolina and Duke were playing well. I knew Miami was playing well. Uh, I knew they had a chance. I picked them all to go to the Elite Eight. But I thought Miami would give Kansas more. I was shocked with that game. And, again, I, I think you have to give the credit, all the credit to Kansas. They were impressive. Sometimes a team misses shots and they lose, you know, Miami couldn't get shots, and that's really, really good defense. And I think you have to give that credit to uh, to Kansas. Uh, they've kind of put themselves in a good position for the Final Four. Coach, Coach, when you look at uh, you, sound great. By the way, I don't. Whatever you think, you're just you. You sounded wonderful. When you look at Kansas's defense, and you look at what they were able to do. Can you take people through what happens at halftime? You know, you're getting beat. They're getting whatever they want. Bill's not happy. What what would have happened in that locker room at halftime? Well, I, I think one thing, they were three for nine for the foul line. So, you know, <clears throat> that's going to be better, get better. Um, I mean, I didn't think they played bad defense in the first half. McGusty made a couple really hard shots, which he can do. Wong can do that. But their defense – just went up. I mean, it literally went up a ton. Uh, I, I don't think I've seen <clears throat> better defense. Well, I mean, what did Miami get in the second half? 15, I don't even know, 15 points, 29. And, and Miami, yeah. a really good offensive team. All those guys can dribble the ball. Um, I was shocked. That was, that was probably one of the most shocking things in, that I've seen in the NCAA tournament other than St. Peter's and the great story that they were and how they played. I mean, 
you don't beat those teams by accident. And, you know, you might beat one, but you don't beat Kentucky and Purdue. I mean, those two teams were number one in the country at one time this year, weren't they? <laughs> I think. They were pretty close, yeah. pretty close to it. <laughs> Purdue was. It's not like Purdue they, was for a day. Yeah, then they got big. Kentucky <laughs> was close. And, I mean, yeah. I forgot the other team they beat now. But, I mean, holy cow. Murray. Yeah, and Murray State's a tremendous team. And they're a tremendous team. Yeah. <clears throat> so, I mean, those – sometimes you win one game, but to win three games like that, I mean – and North Carolina – was always going to be a problem because they have the outside guys. St. Peter's can stop inside guys with their defense. They're swarming the way they play it. But you're not going to stop the three perimeter guys from North Carolina. They're hard to they're, – when they're when Love is playing well, North Carolina won every game they play. If you look at their season, when he struggled, they struggled. When he played well, they won every game, almost every game they played. And now, you know, Maddox is playing great. And the guard, other guard is playing great. So, I mean, you've got a very difficult team to contend with in North Carolina right now. Coach, one of the things I did, I forgot about, but I forgot Garrison Brooks leaves, uh, Walker Kessler leaves, Dawson Garcia gets hurt. I mean, damn, you're talking about, I mean, Walker Kessler, I think, was an All-American. Yeah. Garrison, Garrison Brooks was going to be next in line. I mean, how about – that's unbelievable in a first year what he's been able to do, Hubert Davis. Unbelievable job. You know, I got a lot of grief from Auburn because I said Walker Kessler was a perfect North Carolina player. Well, he was. I mean, he's still a great player at Auburn, too. Right. It's not like I was trying to, to be negative with Walker. He's a great player. He just seemed to be the guy, you know, like what North Carolina's always had, guys like him for, for – 50 years, that's why they win. That's why they won for 50 years. And, <laughs> right. uh, you know, but he, he's a great player. But they lost a lot. Uh, the guard play has, has resurrected North Carolina. I mean, there's those two guys are playing great. If they play great in the Final Four, North Carolina will be difficult to beat. Very difficult. <coughs> this is from the... Do, do, you, do you think the win... Do you think the win over Car- or over Duke at Duke gave them hope? You know what I mean? Showed them what they could be. And, you know, you talked about the loss by Duke, you know, maybe focusing them. Do you think that the other the other thing is true, that it gave these guys hope, I, North Carolina? I, yeah, I think so. I, I, I thought we played them two games before the end at North Carolina and led the whole game. You know, we, we played one of our best games. And, and again, we lost to Miami by one. We lost to Duke in the tournament by a crop or we lost at Notre Dame by one at Miami by one. So, I mean, we were a pretty competitive team, even though we had a bad season win loss wise. Uh, so we were led in North Carolina late in the game. In fact, love made a long three to, to get them into overtime. Really? I remember, but uh, I just like their, the way their team is constructed. They've got two guards that can get 25. Manic can get 25. Baco can get 25. Black's a good, solid player. They're not deep. They're not the normal North Carolina deep, but as a result, they just play those five guys. And, you know, and I, I, there's a lot to be said. Villanova plays five guys, maybe six. 
you know, you keep your best players on the court. These are college kids. They're not going to get tired. Duke has a pretty good bench. They don't play much off their bench. They play six guys. Uh, you know, you really look at this, um, the, the top teams, you know, play six or seven guys. They keep their best players on the court. And uh, that's how you win, in the, especially in the NCAA tournament. Just, you know, keep your best players out there. Hey, you mentioned more. You know, obviously the kid is out 15 a night. Um, Villanova, man, they, they went mano and mano. I thought it was a physical game against Houston. They just went at him, man. They just boom, boom, boom. How big a deal is that, Justin Moore, being out? And what do you think of Villanova? I love Villanova. I mean, we played them. We played them on a one-point game with five, four or five minutes to go. They, they just keep going. At the end of games, they got Gillespie. They got, you know, Moore. They got uh, Caleb uh, losing my memory now and the other guy coming off the one guy that comes off the bench is Samuels I think Samuels is great I think Samuels is Samuels you watch every game when they need something at the end he takes a bigger guy you know when you're small you know he's going to have a bigger guy and you're not guarding him with a bigger guy he's going by a bigger guy they're you know everybody says well they're man they're small that's hard that works in their favor on the offensive end you have to guard those guys and they all can dribble, they all can pass, they all can shoot. Jay's constructed a great culture, a great dynamic with his team. They're difficult to play against. <clears throat> and I mean, if Moore isn't out, they might be the favorite to win this thing. I, I, I would think they could be. Difficult team to play against. I've, I've, I've told my son, who's a young coach, I said three things, coach. I said, number one, keep your mouth shut because no one wants to hear from young coaches. Just listen. Number two, study Syracuse, study the zone, study Coach Bay on what he does. And number three, study Villanova because Villanova, you, um, your your operations stand the test of time. And Duke, too, but Duke just, I I feel like Duke's different. Got so many players. Duke's different. I I think you look at Villanova. Yeah. If you look at what Mick Cronin's done with defense, if you look at what Calvin Sampson's done with his defense, um, they're they're constructed to win with their defense. Defense and rebounding. Um, Villanova's a little different. They have so many really good shooters. Uh, So they have defense and shooting, which is always important. Um, Yeah, those programs are all constructed with that kind of defense first. And here's how we're going to play an offense, which will complement our defense. And those programs, those three really stick out a little bit. Uh, you know, some places yeah. they get cool. better players and, you know, everything is different. Purdue is a good defensive team. Ohio State is <coughs> fundamentally defensive team. And, uh, you know, those teams are always going to be in it. They're always going to be in it. Uh, the same as Michigan State. They're going to be in it because they play great defense. And, you know, it's a question of how good their offenses are in tournament play, really. You know, what? what speaking of offenses, like I, I, I saw this throughout the tournament. Like I thought last eight, whatever minutes, 
uh, Purdue against St. Peter's. I thought they got shook. I, I, I thought they the, – all of a sudden, Travion Williams is handling the ball 28 feet from the basket. I thought they got shook. You mentioned Miami. Does Villanova – Miami getting where they can't even get a shot up. Does Villanova – you've coached against Jay Wright. You've coached against Villanova a thousand times. I mean, do they ever get shook? Can no. you get them off of what they're trying no, to do? No, you can't. They're, they're steadfast in what they're going to do. We had some success playing against them. Because when you zone them, they it takes away their dribble drives, which is their best offense. They can still play against zones. I mean, they shoot it well, extremely well. But it can take away some of their dribble stuff, which really hurts you. Um, but, no, they're, they're going to play their game. Um, tremendous leadership. Um, you know, there's so much to be said for fifth-year players coming back, like there in Miami and some other places. Uh, how that has helped their, their their teams. But Purdue, you know, you want to take advantage of the big guy inside. The problem is the big guy inside misses a couple late, you know, and you're not going to get rebounds because you're, you're spreading. So you get the big guy the ball, he misses that post move, and now the other team has the ball going down to score. Um, when you, in college, like I think North Carolina is great. They don't go to Baco. They don't like throw him the ball a lot. He gets the ball off the boards. He gets it on penetration. Um, and, you know, he gets a double-double every night. You know, big guys in college generally aren't good enough to throw down the ball all the time. They're really not. You know, you, you're better off with your – and you take the three-point play out of the game when you're doing that, and you're only getting twos. Sometimes what happens, teams double-team those big guys – now you get the open threes, and that's that's not good. <coughs> hey, um, you know what? Charles Barkley sent me a text in the middle of the Purdue game. Barkley sent me a text. Does Purdue think they have Wilt and Kareem on the block? Well, like, they're throwing it to them like they. You know what I mean? Because to your point, those two guys just weren't good enough to go win the game. Yeah, I mean it. it it's it's a big problem because if you don't throw in the ball, everybody says after the game, Charles Barkley will say, why didn't you throw your big guys the ball? You throw them the ball, they don't finish. Then after the game, Charles Barkley says, <laughs> why didn't you throw that guy the ball? Well, you know, you, you, as a coach, <laughs> in that situation, you can't win because the only way you can win is if you win right, the game. Right. If you lose the game, whatever you did was wrong. And that's coaching. That's just the way it works. And, uh, you know, I've had big guys. and like I had Ronnie Cycli, who was a tremendous athlete. But every time we throw in the ball, he turned it over. So, you know, we never throw in the ball. And we won a lot of games with that. But he was mad. <laughs> yeah. He was always mad. I, said, I told him, I said, Ronnie, well, if you stop dribbling it and take, they get it taken away from you, then maybe, you know, we can throw it to you. But, uh, you know, big guys in college <laughs> generally – are not ready to get the ball a lot and finish a lot. They're just not. And in today's game, you're finding fewer and fewer of those guys who want to catch the ball down low and can score and score efficiently. So the game's changed. I mean, it's, it's been changing, evolving. It's a perimeter game. You get guys that can shoot it, dribble pass. You know, that's what you need. And uh, you got big guys to play defense, rebound. 
that's what Mark Williams does. Baco does that for North Carolina. Um, they're in the final four, you know, um, Kansas is big guys play defense. I mean, they can score, but they don't get the ball a lot. It's the perimeter guys and Villanova is all perimeter guys. So NBA, same thing, you know, it's how, how many centers are killing people. It's, it's, it's about wings and guys who are six eleven who play out on the wing, like KD and Giannis, uh, Game's changed. And last thing, how many did you when when Julius Irving scored like eighty against? Were you coaching then on his birthday, or we, did you have to try to guard him? When I was assistant coach, we went at Connecticut. We went up to UMass, and I knew going in there, Julius was a sophomore. Nobody even knew who he was. He wasn't didn't play in the New York State All Star game sat on the bench. So he goes to UMass, freshman year, you don't know what they're doing. You just hear things. So I'm hearing things. We get to the game. We hadn't even seen him play. It was early in the year. And I go. I see Jack Lehman, who was a great coach before the game, knew him well. I said, I just mentioned, how's it? How's Julius doing? Uh, you know, some days he's there. Some days, you know, he might not be. We had a 6'11 first round draft pick, Bill Smith, playing on our team. We had a good team at that time. We, we made the NIT, but we were a good team, almost an NCAA team. Doctor just dropped 32 and 37, 32 points, 37 rebounds on us. He got two rebounds at the top of the square over our 6'11 guy, who could jump, by the way, and just laid it back in the basket like this. <laughs> I'm sitting there on the sidelines going, oh, okay, well. We, we let's get ready for the next game because we are not <laughs> going to win this game. At the first play of the game, you knew that you, we're, you're not winning this game. It was his birthday. And it was like, okay, you know, and I see great players and you know, people talk about this guy's a great player. That guy, Dr. J get a hundred today. If he was playing in the NCAA tournament today, he'd get 40 and 30 today. I mean, he, and, and again, remember he's 70 <laughs> years old, so he'd probably only get 20. Probably right, only right, get 20 right, and 10 right, today. Right. But if he was in his prime, I saw two great players when I was an assistant coach. Kenny Durant, Durant from uh, Durant, from from LaSalle and and his and Dr. J. Durant, uh, Kenny had a knee thing going, and he never was the player again. But he had that year had 39 against us. And uh, I was an assistant coach. I said I really realized right then. You, those guys, you don't you don't stop those guys. Those guys are gonna beat you. You try to get those guys. <laughs> but yeah, yeah doctor. Hey, thirty. Yeah. Wait, let me see if I got thirty-seven uh, rebounds. I, I I might be exaggerating a little bit with time. No, let's go with it. 30. Let's go with it. it was let's go. Probably thirty and thirty anyway, at least. I'll I'm gonna look that up again. I, I'm gonna go back. I mean, that was in the stone. You know, when I was an assistant coach. You weren't born, and it was in the Stone Age someplace, you know, back then. <laughs> we didn't have – Where were you an assistant at? Was it Syracuse? Yeah, no, I never You're left. assistant at Syracuse, I right? I never left Syracuse, yeah. you know. I played here 62 to 66 and became an assistant coach in 66 to 75. And I'm still here. I can't understand. That's crazy. <laughs> you you can't leave. You can't leave. <laughs> you – you uh, if you – if you – like if you retired, like 
what would you do? That's why I can't. I'm not retired. I don't know what I'd do. I, you know, I can't talk. Like, <laughs> get a talk show. I mean, I'd be. We'd have a voice of reason in the talk show world. We we can't have that. So uh, no, I no, mean, no. I, I used to think I'd retire and play golf, but I can't play that good. So I don't even want to play golf anymore. I can fish, but I. I'm not a good. I'm not good at that either. The fish are outsmarting me most of the time. So, yeah. I mean, we got a little more left, and we'll see what happens. But uh, we have a great class coming in. I'm really, really excited to get to next year. Um, we just had such a disappointment. When, when does a hey, coach, coach? When does next year start? When well, does next last year week, start? Actually, we, we started workouts last week. Yeah. And, working on stuff and uh, still finishing up some recruiting stuff and starting the next year's recruiting stuff right now as we go. It's year-round, every day. Yeah, that's – well, man, I would love talking to you. Thanks for your time. Apologize. Particularly playing hurt. And thank thank Julie, too. That's what happens when you have surgery and put tubes down your throat. You're you're bad for a couple weeks. But uh, thanks for having me. Good luck, man. You sounded great. Thanks, Coach. Thank Julie as well. <laughs> He's the best, I'm telling you. He is the all-time best. I love talking to him. I do. I love it. I, I think talking to uh, Coach Beheim is one of the real treats of being a broadcaster. He, he helped me uh, actually marry my wife. Uh, I'll get into that story. We're going to have another guy that I love talking to. I love talking to Frank Martin. I do. I, I, uh, I love it. I think he's great to talk to. Can't wait. He's a new head coach at UMass. We'll be back with Frank Martin in a minute. We'll be right back. We're going to take a short break here. We're rolling. I mean rolling right now with Don't At Me. And, of course, you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned right here for more Don't At Me. You know, when you're a kid, you root for teams, right? I grew up, I rooted for DePaul, I rooted for Notre Dame. You know, I was Northwest Indiana. When you get older, you root for guys, like I do anyway. You root for this guy, Frank Martin, and he's nice enough to join us, a new head coach at UMass. Coach, how good does it feel to be the new head coach at UMass? Let's start there. I, I'm, I'm giddy, man. I'm, I, uh, um, you know, Dan, everyone thinks that, that when you don't sleep at night is because of uh, bad stress. Actually, when you're jumping for joy, it's hard to fall asleep because you're so excited about everything that's in front of you. And that's where I've been the last two days, man. I, I, I haven't slept in two nights, and, and, and I've got more energy right now than I've had in a while because of that enthusiasm that, uh, that this university has provided for me. Hey, and by the way, you and I both had to ha- used to have a little hair. I took my head off on purpose, and we always did radio. <laughs> with you. Now that we're both old, bald, look like you know what. Now we're going to do live zooms where people can actually see. Yeah. What are we doing here? <laughs> I don't. I my I got everything backwards, Coach. My whole life is freaking backwards, right? I mean, TV. Mine was COVID. I'm like, you know what? A couple bottles of wine. Uh, I had my stepson go, let's go. I'm tired of this. What happened with you? <laughs> I I, uh, I was starting to fade like the rest of us do. But then when COVID hit, it attacked my immune system. And I, 
it, it activated alopecia and I lost, uh, uh, how do we say this without being blunt and disgusting? Uh, um, you won't, you wouldn't find a fiber of hair on my body. And, uh, so, so being a teammate in the locker room right now, probably wouldn't be a pretty sight, but, but, um, but my eyebrows have kind of started growing back a little bit. So I've got, I've got one long white hair right here that I, it's the only one to survive. So it's my dumb and dumber moment. So you mean I got a chance that that old son, you know, what's going to grow back. So we'll see. So you're saying there's a chance you can go back to that thick mane that you used to have. Is that what you're telling me? You're saying there's a chance. Uh, hey, Coach, why are you so happy? What, Like, uh, in the last uh, few uh, years, uh, you know, look. Go ahead. I was going to say showering's a heck of a lot easier now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Why are you so happy? Prince. I, 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 uh, um, Dan, I, our business has completely changed. Um, it, the days of the Bayheims, the Shashevskis, and those guys are a different breed. They, they, cause they've been so good at such a high level for so many years, but the days of guys being at one job for a long period of time, uh, I, I don't, I don't think that happens anymore. And, uh, um, and, and, you know, it's, uh, you can have unbelievable success and people always want to talk about the bad. They don't want to talk about the good. And, and, you know, I, the job at South Carolina, I got to the point where we were still winning. It's not like we tanked. It's not like last year during the COVID year, we were bad. We, we, we deserved whatever negative press we got. I deserved whatever negative questions I had to answer. Even though COVID attacked our team, and we, we were hampered more than any Power 5 team in the country with missing games, practice time, and the fact that me and my associate head coach were both the thing kicked our you-know-what right in the middle of the season, and we were away from the team. And so, But the year before, when they shut it down, we, we were right there to get to the NCAA tournament when they stopped the season, and with all freshmen and sophomores. And then this past year, again, we – we won 18, we're 500, fifth place in the SEC, which was the number one league in the country for most of the year, whatever the hell that means. But that's what everyone used to say during the year. And and yet nobody wanted to speak about the good. Everybody was wrapped up on the bad. It's just that you, you don't ever... When you're somewhere for a long period of time, you're not making opinions go back the other way. And, and it's kind of gotten to there. And um, and that's why I ended up unemployed for a week or whatever it was. And then uh, the people here at UMass immediately, uh, and they were respectful of my time. You know, but Dan, we, you know, everyone says that, you know, getting fired is, is part of the journey. Shit sucks, man. Excuse my French. It, you know, it, it, it sucks. It's it, you're told that what you do ain't good enough. And, and as a man, as a dude, I take pride in being a man. It's hard because we, we, we're, we're responsible for so many people. And, uh, and, and, and it really, a lot of people's lives get affected when you get fired and, and we didn't get fired for losing. We got fired for not winning enough. And, and, you know, so, but it is what it is. UMass respected my time. I wasn't ready to talk. And when I was, 
they came at me guns blazing and they loved who I am. They love what I represent. It was part of the recruitment of me is that we need you. We don't need the winning. We need who you are as a human being for our program. And uh, I don't need money. I don't need hugs. I don't need kisses. But if you ever tell me that you need me, you got me. And that's what happened. You know, I, I want to go to that for a second because I think you get sometimes a victim of your own success in coaching. You take South Carolina to the Final Four, which in my world means you got a lifetime contract and everybody get off your ass. I mean, it's not like every you know. I I, I don't you know. Kevin Joyce was great. Brian Winters was great back in the seventies. I remember, but God dang, uh, they're. You know, they're more remembered for a fight. No, it was at South Carolina, Louisville back in the day. And that's I it. You got to remember. I, so you, I do. I, I don't have, I don't study. And I read Sports Illustrated as a kid. That's all. But anyway, you get to be a product or a victim or a prisoner of your own success. That's what happened to you, right? Uh, I would assume so. I mean, no one ever, no one ever. Dan, Dan, we're we're human beings. A lot of people, because we end up with leadership jobs, uh, a lot of people think that we've got life figured out. We need to be coached too sometimes, and and you know, and we're we're also looking for direction so we can do everything who we are as people. That's why we we still to this day. I I've never asked you this question, but I got to think you're similar. When I'm in a in a like the COVID year. Uh, when when I was going through um, difficult moments in every year of my coaching career, I'd call my high school coach because he was my father figure. And I'd call him, and it didn't mean I did what he told me to do, but listening to his voice and his words gave me peace for me to make my decisions and handle the moment. He died right in the middle of COVID. And so I lost that voice in the most challenging year of my career. I, I need I need those voices that I trust to help me as I'm going through, through challenges. And uh, um, so I don't know. I don't know what got stale in South Carolina. I, I tried to do my job. I, you know, I, I spent countless hours in the community because I don't want my family to get judged as the coach's family. I want us to be judged as members of the community. Um, you know, I don't want my children to go to school and say, hey, your dad stinks and your team stinks. I want my children to go to school and they know because their parents say so-and-so's parents are awesome. They're at every function. They're at the store. They are engaging. And so I tried to do my job best I could. But it's just, you know, when, when people start talking about the bad and the good outweighs the bad. And, you know, when and I, I can tell you this, after the COVID year, uh, when the people I answer to, said, you've only been to one NCAA tournament in nine years. I knew it was over. Even though it was a year ago, I knew it was over. Because when the people I work for are not saying the previous six years are the winningest six years since the early 70s. <laughs> They're not saying over those six years, you had the third best record in the SEC. They're not saying that. They're talking about the, the, the social media mumbo-jumbo negativity. It's time to go. And, and, you know, I tried my, I shouldn't say me, we players, coaches, we tried our rear ends off to get to the NCAA tournament this year. We fell a little short, but even if we went into the NCAA tournament, that disconnect was already in place.
God, you're so you're so right. I mean, every, I, I would imagine every coach has a story. My story was, hell, we won three games in a row, two on last-second plays that I drew up, one on a fast-break layup, and my AD said to me, oh, man, you're you're living on borrowed time, huh? <laughs> Something like that. And I'm like, what? You know, like, what, what, what are you talking about? We're doing this with football players, not, you know. So I totally get it, man. Once – once that slide, once that disconnect comes, if you have any experience at all, you know where the eventuality is, right? You know, it, you know, you just do. It's yeah. We can we, we can either live in reality based on our private conversation, <clears throat> or we can live in a phony world and act like the realities of behind the closed doors are not taking place. And and you know how we choose to handle that moment, you know, uh, determines the future and uh I, I i've got no ill will i've got no negativity i i i'm disappointed that you know you're there for 10 years and you you you, you know let, let's be honest you go to a freaking you go to a final well, four the, at south carolina the two, the two winningest seasons in the history of the school happened under my watch <laughs> That's what the, I'm saying. seven years if you eliminate the covid year the other, the six previous year and the year after, still winning a seven years since the early seventies, and and I, I'm not trying to cast any stones here with what I'm going to get ready to say to you, but there's some charades going on in the SEC, and and for us to have the third best record in the SEC, finishing the top third of the league five by seven years, I don't I don't think that's losing. I you know I think that's that's winning and. And um, but uh, I was disappointed that after 10 years and, and taking the program from winning two league games and probably one of the worst power five jobs in the country to a place where we're a winner and that the divorce happens uh, so, so quick and so blinded uh, the way it did. But it is what it is. Hey, let's move forward here. What do you see in UMass? What do you see with the program, with the school, with the players? What What do you got? Well, I I got here yesterday, so um, um, it, it's if you can remember those those initial four, five, six days. Heck, the first four, five, six. Woo. It's a blur. It's it's so I'm I'm in the middle of meeting people, and you know, you shake a person's hands, and you see them ten minutes later, and you don't remember their name, and it's like, holy cow, who is somebody? Help me, who's this? <laughs> You know, I, I, I told the players yesterday, I met with the team for about 40 minutes or so. And I told the players, we're going to go on the court. We're just going to do some shooting drills. I said, this is not for you. This is for me. And they were looking at me. I was like, I've coached ball for 38 years. I got fired. So last week, I felt like me coaching ball didn't work anymore. But I'm excited about getting on the court and teaching the game a little bit. So we're going to go on the court for about 30, 40 minutes. Just this this one today is for me. So I can feel good about me being a ball coach. And and uh, so it was great. But you're on the court and you're like, uh, hey, uh, uh, over there with the red shorts. Come here. What's your name? It's like being at a camp back today. And, and what's your name again? Yeah, you. I'm sorry. I'll figure out your name by next time we work out. And, uh, but that's that's what we're going through. But there's there's a vibe um, I've been off social media for about a year because I took the job. I had to engage in social media because it's part of the deal of today's day and age. I got to promote the new program. I got to give the fan base hope 
because it's they haven't been very good for him. And like I don't I don't probably fit the Kentuckys and the UCLA's and then all that. Guess what? They don't fit me either. I I'm a blue collar down in the dumps, work my way out of stuff kind of guy. So I love taking on jobs that I have to roll up my sleeves and the odds are stacked against me. It's just who I am. Call me stupid. Call me a moron. It's who I am. That's what tickles me the right way. And that's what this place has. There's history here, whether it's Jack Lehman or Dr. J or Rick Pitino. Uh, there's, there's, you know, obviously the Calipari years with the success that they had with the refuse to lose. Uh, I've lived in Massachusetts before. They love basketball up here in New England. Uh, it's my job to, to give our fan base hope that it's going to happen again. So I've re-engaged in social media a little bit. Um, and I feel a vibe. I ain't felt this vibe in a long time from an enthusiasm for basketball, for hope that it's going to be fun again. And uh, now, now I've got to roll up my sleeves, my staff, my players, me, the people that hired me. And we, we got to go make it happen. And we got to, you know, give people uh, uh, something so hope starts becoming reality. And that that's the journey. And that's what that's what got me excited. About it. That's what has me excited. About it. I, I want to hey, go back to something because I always felt this. And I think, you know, you obviously do. Most coaches, man, you lose a game or you, you get a new job. You got to get on the court, right? You just, you just, I, I totally get what you're saying. Hey, fellas, this isn't for you. This is for me. You just got, you, you feel like, all right, we're back to being a team and I'm back to being a man and a coach just by getting on the damn court, right? That's so, I totally get what you're saying there about the shooting drills you did. I totally get that. I, and, and it wasn't, you know, everyone thinks it's about, you know, let's go out there and let's put them on the line and let's run them and let's, Tough for them out so I can figure out who's going to quit and who's going to stay. It's not about that, man. It's about getting out there and telling a kid like, hey, start on that line over there. And and you're going to work on an inside-out dribble with your left hand. Don't move your body. Move the ball. And, and now that kid doesn't start on the line. It's like, yo, I told you, start on the line. And, and, and that's the detail of teaching. And that's what gets me going is getting people to understand that little detail. So that's why I said that yesterday was for me. So I can feel good again about yeah. teaching the detail that I enjoy. I totally get that. I, I, I do. I, I shoot. I man um, press conferences tomorrow, but I'm guessing you're already off and running for UMass, it, what, what's the first order of business for you? Is it recruiting your own players? Is it getting out? What, what's the, what's the, what are you focusing on as you jump into this real quick? Yeah, I, I, I've got to meet uh, the, the campus leaders academically. Uh, I, I tell people, I told every player yesterday, don't, I'm not a guy that quit playing and started recruiting. I'm an old school teacher in my same neighborhood I grew up in. So with me, it all starts about academics. And so meeting the academic leaders on this campus, meeting uh, the leadership of the university. It's, it's not my job because they hired me to get this campus to change to who I am. I'm the new guy here. I have to understand how this campus wants to be represented. I've got to understand that from the leadership so I can then work in their direction, earn their trust, 
And then as we go through that journey and we start doing our job in basketball, then they're more willing to listen to some of my ideas to, to, to make adjustments wherever it needs to be. So that's one component. The lifeline of trying to hire, I think, Dan, it's the hardest part of our job because you can have three really good staff members and you got one bad staff guy, it's over. You got no chance to succeed. So hiring is, is, is so important. And here, I got a great story for you. I, you got two minutes so I can tell you this quick story. I got all day. Let's go. So I get fired Monday at two o'clock, two Mondays ago. And I, you know, I go in, I address the team. I tell them what happened. I go home. I get to my house. My phone is blowing up. Hey, Frank, it's always been a dream to work for you. Hey, Frank, blah, blah. And it doesn't stop. I don't have a job. And I'm getting all these text messages from guys. <laughs> I've been a fired assistant coach. I understand. I, I'm not making fun of them. I've been there. It's it's a tough place to be in. But I'm getting all these text messages from guys telling me, like, hey, I want to. So now we get to the weekend, and I'm starting to feel better now by the weekend. I'm starting to get away from that that moment where you're like, I don't want to leave my house. I'm embarrassed. I failed. To like, you know what? I'm a man. I've I've been in this business 38 years. It's going to be okay. Let me get out and start doing my stuff. And, and I was doing television and we're between segments, just watching games and guy I hadn't heard from in about four years, shoots me a text, Frank, uh, if you got anything on your staff, blah, 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 I'd love to work for you. I call him. He's like, I didn't know you were going to call me. I said, well, you know, I got your text. I said, I'm going to send you a plane ticket next weekend. I'm busy right now, but I'm going to send you a plane ticket next weekend. He's like, uh, like really that that easy i said yeah i'm gonna fly you in i i'll figure out what to pay you but i'm gonna take advantage of your your willingness to help me you're gonna help me clean my garage because i haven't done it in two years he's like like what are you what are you talking about i said i don't have a job man i got fired but i got stuff i can help, can help me with at the house and he had no idea that i was fired so hiring a staff right now is is crazy. And then the last part, which is the most important part is the players uh, trying to, you know, I'm, I've, I'm going to, I've inherited a group of guys, a couple guys I saw play in high school, uh, but I don't know them. And we got to go through that conversation because this is another adjustment and that we're having to make is us old guys. Cause I've become one of the old guys in the business. The days yeah. of, yeah, the days of this loyalty. Let's build a relationship and let's stick it out with each other. Those days are gone, man. And and I don't say that in a cruel way, because as a coach, you coach and you build these kids up. And as soon as they can go to another school that presents a bigger opportunity, they are out the door, and they don't think twice about it. And uh, uh, and as soon as things get hard, they're out the door. They don't think twice about it. So so as a coach, we can't be held to that standard like, well, this guy's pushing guys out the door. It, you know, it, those days are over both ways. So it's so important now at the beginning that we have clear and candid conversations with these players to make sure that going into next year that they're all on board for everything that I'm going to hold them accountable, you know, the, the, accountable for. Um, I got to tell you, you, I have a, I'm on a group text with 
Mike Tirico, the best director, Scott Johnson at ESPN for college football and basketball, and the best direct or the best uh, producer, Bart Fox. Uh, there's four of us, and Allison Williams. So there's five of us. And you're on TV, and these guys are uber critical of TV, right? They're uber critical. And I get a text from Bart, who's the best. I mean, the best. He goes, hey, Frank Martin will be coming to a microphone near you. He's freaking awesome. And Tariko and everybody else was like, oh, man, a breath of fresh. I mean, so you at – this is what I like about you. This is what I think men should do. At a really dark time, I guess, in your life where you get fired, you have an opportunity, and instead of sulking, man, you knock it out of the park. To me, that's what men are supposed to do. And I just wanted you to know that because sometimes you lose a job, you you know, you lose confidence, all that stuff. But you jump on CBS's set, and the best dudes that I know in TV, and if you ask people in TV, Bart Fox... Scott Johnson are the absolute two best, and obviously Tariko, and they're saying you are unbelievably good. I got to tell you, man, I wanted to pass that on to you just so you know what you did inspired me when you were in a dark time. That was freaking awesome. Not going to lie, awesome. So there you go. There you go. Thank you, Dan. You know, Dan, uh, Bob Hoggins has a saying. My grandmother used to use a different saying. That meant the same thing. Hugs says, got to answer the bell. And, and you know, my grandmother, uh, the challenges she went through uh, when, you know, the whole deal, leaving Cuba, coming to a country that she knew nothing about, and all she wanted was a chance to work and provide for her family. And uh, um, I coach basketball, man. I, how am I a failure? Because those first 48 hours are not easy. Because it's all—it's who we are. It's our life, and you're told that you're not good anymore. Go away. Those first forty-eight hours, I'm responsible. You've been the head coach. You understand this, Dan. You're not responsible for yourself. You're not responsible for winning and losing. Those are things that come with the job. You're responsible for your managers, for your GA, for your assistant coaches, for their families, for their children, for your players. You take in everybody's problems. And you have to answer the bell every day to make sure that their lives are better because of your decisions. And all of a sudden you're told you're not good at that anymore. It, it becomes a lonely place because you feel like you failed a lot of people that depend on you. And But, you know, I, I needed to if you if you stay sheltered up in a room, you you're you, you, you you're miserable. You stay in your own negative conundrum. And you can't move forward in life. And if you're going to answer the bell, you got to be proud of who you are, not of your record of who, who you are. And that's what I tried to do. And then being on television, I, I, I live my life with being honest. My honesty offends people sometimes. Too bad. I'd rather, I want you to be honest with me, so don't be <laughs> phony. So when I go on television, which is not something that I pretend to know what I'm doing, I'm honest. I'm comfortable with being who I am. And then... If you ask me to say stories, come on, Dan, how many stories you got because of basketball? And they're all good. So I'm going to sit up there and say story and then talk ball. I know there's people in South Carolina that think I'm not a very good basketball coach. That's okay. I'm comfortable that I know enough about the game that I can talk the game. And and so it's 
you know, it's a, it's a, it's a it, I don't know. I, I had a lot of fun with it because it, it makes it again. That moment helped me feel better. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're talking ball and not, but I'm just telling you, I mean, it, 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 it I remember having this conversation with Seth Greenberg came over after he, uh, he got fired to ESPN. And I'm like, look, man, I know what you're feeling. You feel like less of a man. You, it's the first time in your life that you're questioning, it, you know, and you know, you get over it. Then you, and you, you do what men do. Hey, I want to, I want to get, pick your brain on a couple of things. Um, one, your thoughts on the Final Four. Your your thoughts on Duke, North Carolina. You're you're in that area. You're coaching against. And what what are your thoughts on both those two teams, Coach K, and the, what the job Coach Davis has done? Yeah, I I mean, if you actually follow, um, you actually follow um, North Carolina late in the year, they weren't playing very well, and uh, but somehow, some way, they kind of they changed the channel and, and they got themselves to, to a place where um, they're playing with unbelievable confidence right now. I think the biggest change for North Carolina as I've watched them uh, is I think they're really, really competing defensively, uh, which gives you a chance. You're not going to, everyone wants to, ah, we got to play fast and outscore people. That's awesome. When you get in the tournament, if you can't stop people from scoring, because you're never going to neutralize great players, but if you can't make their life hard defensively, you got no chance. Uh, you know, and that's I've always felt that your team defense is what creates the unselfishness uh, that then allows you to be a good offensive team, however you choose to play offensively. And it's that sacrifice that you do for each other defensively. I think North Carolina's figured that part out. Uh, and then Duke, I told someone the other day, like, they got like, Eight McDonald All Americans. Their talent levels—it's <laughs> like they're really good, and and you know they got some old parts and they got some young parts, and you know and they the season teaches your team to either win or lose. You you don't go through a season and it's a neutral. You either become a winning team or a losing team as you deal with the season, and I think Duke started to figure it out towards the end of the year. I. I thought they, you know, that that the the last home game of the year against North Carolina, all that stuff, they had no chance to play well that game. The amount of distractions that were going with with all you, senior day, when you have three seniors and their families is really <laughs> what they dealt with that game. There's no way they could have succeeded. But I think I think both of those teams have kind of figured who they are out, and they did because of the season. The season taught them to. To, to, to trust one another. And then, Dan, as you know, the regular season, there's always another practice, another game. This time of year, uh, everyone knows it's over the next time you don't win. So that, that sense of urgency to figure things out gets even greater. Yeah, I want to go back to the Duke thing. I have said that. I, I, I said, man, you know, you get in a routine, you get in a rhythm, and all of a sudden you got 90 players showing up at practices and all that stuff. People don't really understand that. Like, they just think, well, they're going to play really well because these guys are in the gym. No, I'm going to go back to what you said earlier. These guys are human beings. You're human beings with, with, with human nature. I totally agree, and I said it before the game. There's no way Duke's going to play well in that game. They may win the game. But there's no way they could play well, at least to start that game. No way. No chance. Yeah, it, it, no chance. Yeah, when, when, when you're going in, 
you know, when, when you're, you're getting ready to go play a game, uh, I, I'm not even a big Newt Rockney speech giver. I, it's just like, like, you know, it's like they're going to sit around and say, oh, let's see what great speech he's giving today. So I'm, I'm very much about no distractions, focus on the game. In that environment, that was like a big distraction. And for all the right reasons, but for the players, it was a big distraction. No, I, I agree. What do you think of Kansas? Typical Bill Self team. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. Obviously, we're not in their locker room, but it seems like that kid, Remy Martin, has finally embraced whatever Bill's asking him to do. And uh, he, you know, you don't become the Pac-12 player of the year, whatever he was, by mistake. you got to be a pretty good player to do that. Um, so, you know, it's uh, it's now he's got three – three guys on the perimeter, the kid on their team that I don't think gets the credit he deserves because everyone, I, I don't remember his name, the one athletic freak that can shoot threes. Everyone speaks about him. Um, but the one kid no one speaks about is that kid Bron, uh, Brown, Braun. Um, it, it, I think he's the guy that keeps them together. I think he's the guy that, that, that no one pays attention to. And he's the one that hurts you on both ends of the floor. And, uh, uh, but a uh, typical Bill Self team and unselfish on offense. Uh, they they probably move the ball better than any team uh, that's still playing. Villanova is close second uh, as far as their their their. You never know where the ball is going to be at because the ball the bodies don't stop and the ball doesn't stop. Uh, so it's hard to lock in your defense to take away a dribble drive uh, because there's nonstop movement and you don't know who's the one coming at you. Um, and you know, but that's, that's typical bill team and they still utilize their bigs, uh, which they used to do a lot more of. I love telling bill when I see him on the road, I said, I liked you a lot more when you played power basketball, not this new kind of spread candy, you know, what, you know, <laughs> he, 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 he loves that stuff. But, uh, uh, but they, it's typical bill team and offensively, they're extremely efficient and they're, 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 and they're balanced. They got really good players, and they're old. Just think about the age of those players. Uh, they're, you know, the, the big guy inside. He's been around for a hundred years. The backup has been around for a hundred years. Obaji, I think, is his name. I think this is his third or fourth year. Wilson, third or fourth year. Brown, third or fourth year. Remy Martin, like this is. He. By the way, I told someone the other day, and I, if he ever hears this, I hope he doesn't get offended. Bill now hasn't played like Remy Martin VSOP, the good one. You know, it's uh, um, he's got him playing like the good cognac, not like the 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 one I used to buy back. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but it's they're old, and when you got old players, uh, they don't ride the wave of emotions play to play, so it's a little easier to win with them. Last thing uh, before I let you go, what are you doing today? What what are you doing today? Walk me through your day today. I, I had a meeting with marketing and sports information at 8 o'clock in the morning. Uh, I met with the previous staff late last night, uh, just helping those guys as they go through the journey because it's hard. It, it's, I don't want the athletic director or anyone else having those conversations with them. I wanted to get to know them, not ask them about the good or the bad, just figure out who they are what they're about and, and build relationships with them. Cause I've been there. It's, it's not a comfortable place to be in. Uh, uh, after meeting with marketing this morning, I, I had a couple individual player meetings. And as soon as uh, uh, these two bald guys uh, decide that the conversation is good enough for the day, I've got another play and, and several others that I'm, I'm meet with as we go through the course of the morning. 
Man, you're the best. I, I asked you to come on in like two seconds later. Yeah, okay, what time I'm on? Let's go. You're the best, man. I, you're the best. I, I'm getting myself a UMass flag. <laughs> I'm, right, I'm, I'm putting a UMass flag out here, hey, man. Hey, and I told I told you off the air. I, 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 you're one of the guys that I should say no to because you're a coach. So, so you don't have a pre-set of questions. You actually listen to what I say because that's what we as coaches do is listen and then ask the next question so you can get me in deeper trouble. So I'm, you're the guy I should have said no to, but. No, we're, no, we're good. We're good. We didn't get in trouble no, today. No. We just talked about our bald ass head <laughs> and where we're going. That's all. <laughs> Kidding me? No, man, I, I appreciate hey, it. I, Any, I, anytime you need me and I'm, I'm, I'm giddy, man. I'm, I'm like an 18 year old. that's getting ready to go to college for the first time in his life again. I've, I don't know what the future holds, but I'm excited as I've ever been. I can hear it in your voice. I can see it in your bald ass face, and you do have a bald face, by the way. I, 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 hey, I have, I'm telling you, I got the. I call him the soul, the the lone survivor. He's right here, and and he's the only one left, and he's my dumb and dumber man. We got hope, Dan. We got hope that I can put gel on my hair again one day. Hey, man, I, you had a beautiful head. You, I, mine was always, I'm whipping it around. I'm Gene Katie. I'm spraying, you know. You had a beautiful head. <laughs> that was beautiful, your head. It's not fair. Life's not fair. Uh, they appreciate you. Thanks, Absolutely. Frank. He's the best, man. That guy is the best. That's Frank Martin. All right. We'll be right back. We're going to take a short break here. We're rolling. I mean rolling right now with Don't At Me. And, of course, you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned right here for more Don't At Me. Uh, well, hell, I don't even know why we got to take a break. We got to take a break. We got no commercials. Hey, we're just going to keep going, Dylan. I got nothing to do. Might as well. We got 20 minutes left in the program. I got I ain't mad about it. I ain't mad about it. Let me tell you what I ain't mad about. Let me go get it here. First and foremost, I ain't mad that we just had the greatest morning show in the world. Hey, I ain't even mad if nobody's watching. For me, that was fun. Jim Beheim, Frank Martin, whew, I ain't mad about just getting on the freaking uh, headset and having Frank Martin on the damn, uh, on the show. Hell, that's what this show is about. We try to give you insight. All right, I ain't mad about it. Let me see what I got. All right, so the other day, uh, Mark Packer. Channel 84, Sirius XM Radio, all right, 4 to 7. He's on my show, Billy's son. He comes on my Sirius XM show, and he's killing the Big Ten, right? He's killing the Big Ten tournament, or to the NCAA tournament. I ain't mad about it. Uh Uh-uh. I ain't mad about it. Look, you got nine teams in the tournament. Nine. That means, ladies and gentlemen that the ninth place team, the ninth best team in a 14-team league made the NCAA tournament. Now, I don't really want to see that happen, but I would understand it if they did. It's never going to happen because it's like, well, we use your whole year. But, hey, that's all right. Capping it at five, I ain't mad about that. Should be. Could be. Ain't. Because first time ever, a nine-invite league, nine teams, 
Not one of them got to the Elite Eight. I'm a Big Ten guy, man. I'll represent the Big Ten today, tomorrow, and the next day. But the truth of the matter is, nine teams, not one gets to the Elite Eight. Wow. That ain't great. So I ain't mad about it, but I'm also not necessarily for it. Purdue embarrassed itself against St. Peter's. I mean, let's just be honest. I may talk about this tomorrow, but hell, we can talk about it today. I was going through the list of the worst defeats in Big Ten history. You know, last year, uh, Oral Roberts, who, by the way, got to the Sweet 16, beat uh, Ohio State. Back when I was at Indiana, I think we were a three seed, and maybe Cleveland State was an 11. Maybe there was, what, a 16, so they'd be a 13 or 14 seed. That was as bad a loss as you're ever going to see. Purdue's loss against St. Peter's has got to be as bad a loss. Michigan State was, a, I think, a two seed, lost to a 15, Middle Tennessee. That was a bad loss. But it's as bad. And I would argue that maybe that's Purdue University's worst loss ever. Sweet 16 is great to get to. Don't get me wrong. Hell, it's awesome. But when you lose to St. Peter's in that vein, that ain't a good loss. I don't know if it's the worst loss ever, but it's worth a discussion, particularly because Purdue people absolutely flip out. I mean, they flip out. All right, last night, last night, I am um, I'm watching the women's tournament. And I'm watching Creighton, who beat Iowa. Now, Iowa and Caitlin Clark are pretty damn good. But I'm watching Don Staley's team. And I'm watching Don Staley's team with this Ayala Boston. And full disclosure, I'm like, wow, this is an interesting game. I think the line was 13 and a half. I watched two minutes of the game, and I'm like, wait a second. I'm live betting this, and I think Creighton was even up. I got to tell you, watching South Carolina women's basketball was really fun. I mean, it was really fun. And this Boston lady is tough. She's a good basketball player. I don't necessarily, I don't pioneer women's basketball. I, it's gotten a lot better, don't get me wrong, and it's really fun to watch. It's not like I watch all the time is what I should say. I watch Indiana and UConn really unfairly got to play at home. Uh, but anyway, I as a two seed, not a one seed, Indiana – uh, a group of ladies that I love watching play basketball got their brains beat out. But then I, I watched South Carolina basketball, and I ain't mad about South Carolina's women's basketball team. If you get a chance to watch the NCAA women's tournament, I think you're really going to like South Carolina's women's basketball team. I think they'll win national championship. And then I flipped over, and I watched uh, Stanford in Texas last night at 9 o'clock, and that was really good. I'll tell you this about Stanford. Man, oh man, down the stretch, free throw, whap, free throw, whap, free throw, whap, free throw. They were not missing in crunch time. And that was fun to watch. If you're a basketball fan watching, I don't care if it's little kids, I don't care if it's little boys, little girls, adults, NBA, WNBA, or college men or women, being able to stand up there at the free throw line under pressure and knock them all in is a big-ass deal to me. Again, don't care the level. Hey, don't care if it's in the CYO gym at 8 o'clock in the morning and it's St. Joe the Worker taking on St. Peter and Paul with an FRO crowd, friends and relatives only, maybe some cheerleaders in there. I don't care. That was impressive last night by Stanford ladies. Uh, I ain't mad about it. 
I ain't mad about all of a sudden Penny Hardaway being known as a cheater. Hell, we knew all that. Everybody knew that. I'm not saying everybody, I'm not even saying what he did was wrong. I have no idea, but I know he got notice uh, of allegations. And then, of course, Memphis being Memphis decided during the investigation that Memphis was not going to help out the NCAA. Well, here's the deal. You're a member of the NCAA. And by being a member of the NCAA, well, I don't know. It seems to me that you you are under an obligation to adhere to the rules. And if your coach, in this case, Penny Hardaway, decides he's not going to adhere to the rules and the NCAA conducts an investigation, you got two choices as a school. Choice number one, we'll just be jackasses and try to cover things up, aid and abet, hiding whatever it is we need to hide, i.e. not cooperate with an NCAA investigation that, oh, by the way, we get all the benefits of being part of this organization. And that's what Memphis did, at least according to this notice of allegations. Penny Hardaway did his Penny Hardaway stuff. But then the school decided, yeah, and Penny Hardaway decided, yeah, we're not going to participate in the investigation or we're going to hinder the investigation. Uh, And that's just wrong. At some point, we need to be adults. And as I watch the NCAA tournament, I'm thinking to myself, man, oh, man. And I watch NCAA basketball all across the board. I'm thinking to myself, man, oh, man, are there a lot of people coaching that aren't adults? There was a guy at Indiana, his name, I forget his name. He's one of the assistant coaches. They call him something. They hooked him up to a mic. Now, in my world, particularly at Indiana, you, his name is Yah. Yah something, I don't know. But in my world at Indiana, when you were on the court, coaches were to coach. Like, you're supposed to do it with enthusiasm, but you're there to teach. You're there to coach. At least that's my sense, and I'm sure I'm wrong. This dude was hooked up to a mic, and I swear to God, it was, he was more cheerleader than he was coach. He was more wannabe player, and the dude could never really play, but he was more cheerleader and slash player than he was coach. I'm telling you, we're losing adults in the room. There ain't nothing wrong with being an adult. I know I'm yelling at clouds. Who cares? But the truth of the matter is, man, oh man, are there any adults at Memphis? Aren't you supposed to be the adult when you're the athletic director, provost, chancellor, president, vice president, uh, executive vice, I don't know, whatever the hell you are at a university. Penny Hardaway doing Penny Hardaway things. Who cares? <clears throat> Being an adult, Memphis, for once. Being an adult. I said it when they hired Hardaway. Great. Good for them. Wonderful. Yay, right. You got rid of the ultimate man of integrity, Tubby Smith, because you wanted to go back to being Memphis. He won an NIT, or he won a few games, and Gary Parrish, a columnist who lives in Memphis, where the biggest fanboy media is of CBS Sports, Oh, Penny, all the doubters doubted you, but we knew here in Memphis, blah, 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 blah. No, we knew. Gary, we all knew. We all knew. I knew when I saw Mike Miller, longtime NBA player, and Penny Hardaway on a private plane, and they looked like kids. And I put a caption to the picture, kids playing coach. It's exactly what it is. 
Hey, look, I get it. We're all supposed to be down with the millennials, but there's nothing wrong with being an adult. Jeez. And if there is, why? Well, yelling at clowns. All right. Why is that bad? All right, Purdue. I ain't mad about Purdue's historic loss to St. Peter's. Now, let me explain this to you. I like Matt Painter. I like their whole staff. Brandon Brantley, who is one of a great great player at Purdue. He's now the assistant coach who's worked with more big guys and done better with more big guys than any. Went to my basketball camps, went to my high school. He's a terrific player at my high school in Northwest Indiana. I love Purdue and their staff, but I'm an Indiana guy. I'm an Indiana guy through and through. Regardless of what Indiana's doing, which was a complete train wreck in the NCAA tournament against St. Mary's, hey, look, if you are St. Peter's and you beat Kentucky and Purdue, I'm all in on you. I'll be full disclosure. When I was an assistant coach at Indiana, Purdue was cheating. Purdue was winning. Ultimately, Frank Hendrick, uh, the assistant coach, ended up, I think, he ended up working in the student union. They, they, They fired him for NCAA violations, and they made him work in a student union. Now, Frank was an All-American there. Gene Cady and his program went on probation. Nobody really knows that, and that's fine. I love Gene Cady. I went to Purdue basketball camp, had some of my greatest high school moments playing in the state tournament in the semi-state at Mackey. I'm a big Purdue fan, but I'm Indiana through and through. So when you're a school like St. Peter's and you take out Kentucky and you take out Purdue, I got to tell you, my toes are tapping. Back to being an assistant. When I was an assistant in Indiana, it was miserable when Purdue won. And I remember the worst day ever, 1994. It was Purdue versus Duke to go to the NCAA Final Four. Grand Hill against the Big Dog. I didn't know, apparently, the Big Dog, between their game on Friday, I guess, and Sunday, hurt his back wrestling around in in the hotel room. I didn't know that. I didn't care. I just wanted Duke, or excuse me, Purdue to lose. I'll never forget mowing my grass in the first half. I could not watch each possession. Mowed my grass, went in there at halftime. I think it was tighter. It was close. Went back outside, mowed the backyard. I couldn't take it. Happy as hell that Purdue lost in the Elite Eight. Now, we had lost in the first round. But misery loves company. And when it's that intense of a rivalry, and remember, I played at a time when Katie's throwing his coat, Knight's throwing a chair, fans were throwing coins at me at Mackey Arena. I loved it. Indiana fans were throwing things at Katie's wife. It was insanity, and I loved every minute of it. But I ain't mad when St. Peter's jumps up. I ain't mad at all when St. Peter's jumps up. And, and I, love, I love Calipari. Hell, I worked Calipari's camp a couple years ago out in the Bahamas. Love the guy. He has, to this day, he sent me one of the funniest uh, voicemails when I got in trouble for this deal in Scottsburg, Indiana. One of the funniest voicemails ever, ever came from John Calipari. I love the guy, but I'm an Indiana guy. I'm an Indiana guy. I don't want Purdue or I don't want Kentucky to win. Period. Sorry. That's it. That's it. Don't at me, people. I don't want them to win. You all may. Indiana fans may not care. Matt Painter's a great dude. I actually, myself and Ron Felling, had to tell him he couldn't come to Indiana. He wanted to come to Indiana. All right, fine. But the truth of the matter is, I got to tell you, I didn't want him to win, so I ain't even mad about it.
just, I'm immature about that stuff. All right, uh, tonight we've got hoops. I'm on a run like no other, and I'm going to feel bad about this because I'm probably going to give you some bad advice. North Carolina State women, man, did they come back against Louisville. Louisville? I think it was Louisville. I can't remember. But it was a hell of a game. Oh, Notre Dame. Steal at the end of the game. I felt so bad for the young lady from Notre Dame because I've been there. I cost Indiana going to the Final Four in 1984. But anyway, so North Carolina State ends up winning. Now, what's the reward? They get to play as the one seed. They get to play the two seed, UConn, in Bridgeport, Connecticut, in a 10,000-seat arena that's going to have 8,000 freaking Connecticut fans. Connecticut's a a four-and-a-half-point favorite. That seems a little much. I'm going to move the number down to four, and I'm going to take Connecticut women. I don't love this bet. I'm just going to tell you point blank. Connecticut women did not look great for a while against Indiana. Then they turned it on, and it was over. I don't love the bet. I don't love it. I'm also going to take Louisville plus, uh, excuse me, minus five against Michigan. I'm rooting like hell for Michigan. Maddie Nolan is a great player at Michigan. Her dad, uh, what the hell is his name? Coach Nolan. I just knew him as Coach Nolan. I can't remember his first name. But anyway, Coach Nolan coached my son at Zionsville High School. Henry, uh, and he was a great coach, great dude. His daughter, Maddie, is a starter. Uh, there's a young lady named Dilk who's from Carmel, which is right over here. I'm a big Michigan fan, but I didn't like the way they played, although I did like the Hillman uh, girl in the post. She's really good. Nas Hillman, I think, is her name. But I'm going to take Louisville. I think Louisville's really good. I think Louisville's really good. Louisville's uh, fun to watch. They're all fun to watch. I'm going to be watching this, but I'm going to take as a flyer, I'm going to take UConn minus four. I'm going to move that to four. I don't like that hook. And then I'm going to take Louisville minus five against Michigan. It's interesting. Michigan's coaches are wearing baseball jerseys, and I don't really know the reason. I think they were talking about the reason on the show, but when I watch games, I turn the volume down and I read a David Baldacci novel. Here's what I do, and here's what I'm going to do tonight. First game's at 6, second game at 7. I'm going to go do a show till 3, which, by the way, if you want to uh, listen to it, it's on 1075thefan.com. You can go there, listen, or wherever you get Spotify. It's noon to 3. It's a Dan Dockett show. I'm going to go work out like a crazy person, take my dog for a two-mile walk after that, settle in around 6, make myself some encased meat, some sausage, and next thing you know, I'm going to watch this women's game and I'm going to read my David Baldacci novel until it's time to go to bed at around 9 when I'm going to get done with the North Carolina women. I don't know why these two games are on back-to-back. They're not on back-to-back. They're kind of on the same time. I don't like it, but they are, and I'll be watching them both. Women's basketball is really fun. Women's basketball, I like it. I mean, I'm not the biggest advocate for it over the course of the year. I don't sit around and, you know, I, I, I don't sit around and watch it every night. I, like I said, I watch Indiana. But when I tournament comes, I like watching. And I think you will too. I do. I think you'll really like it. Man, we're going to have a great week of shows. We're going to get you ready for the Final Four. Already this, think about today. Frank Martin was outstanding, man. That dude is awesome. Jim Beheim is just the best. Double hernia surgery. He gets on our show coughing, wheezing, but man, can he talk ball. That's the fun of this show. 
This show is really fun for me, and I want to thank all of you. I damn near thank all of you every stinking day. I do, because you guys are great, and we're going to try to deliver every stinking day. Every day. Last thing, I do want to give a tip of the hat to St. Peter's. I talk too much, I think, about you know my dislike, not dislike, but my love of Purdue and Kentucky getting beat. But St. Peter's, as a mid-major head coach at Bowling Green, I understand how hard it is. It's hard just to get in the NCAA tournament on a one-bid league. It really is. And Shaheen Holloway and the rest of you, congratulations, man. What a fantastic run. Look, you had a bad matchup against North Carolina. Those guards at North Carolina, I thought after they all dropped 20, including Baycott against Duke, they, they found something. So you had a bad matchup. Nothing wrong with getting your brains beat out in the Elite Eight. I would have given my left you-know-what to take an, a team from Bowling Green in my 10 years to the, to the NCAA tournament, much less the round of 32, the round of 16, the Elite Eight. Are you kidding me? Man. So congrats. We had a great team at Bowling Green in 2002, but we couldn't beat Antonio Gates. Yeah, Antonio Gates and Kent State. Trevor Huffman, Mitchell, Andrew Mitchell. Had a badass group, man. Couldn't beat them. They went to the Elite Eight. Indiana hit 15 threes to beat them. Mm. Anyway, I hope everybody has a great rest of your day. Join me. Join me. Noon to three on 107.5 The Fan. Ryan, Dylan, Corey, thank you. Have a great afternoon. America's punch right there, baby. Dockage punching out. America, facts, and Dockage. That's awesome. Great job. Here we go. See you tomorrow right here at 9 a.m.